What we just saying is, is akin to the theme of what we're looking at this year. The theme is building the house of your life. It reminds us of the story Jesus told in Matthew 7 when he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Story is, is pointing us to the reality of foundations. What you build a house your life upon. And that really is the crux of the story. What are you building your life upon? But there's some principles deep down. There's a lesson, I think, implied in the heart of this story, which is really what the theme of VBS is going to be this week. Both men had choices. Both men built on different foundations. Both men had different homes. In fact, both men had very different results. But the reality is, whether it was a wise man or a foolish man, both men built houses. Both men built And everyone here, whether you recognize it or not, whether you have thought about this or not, you are building your own home. You're building your house. You're building and constructing your own life. Every decision you make, the path that you pursue, they are all the result of the forming and founding of the life that you are creating. In Colossians chapter 3, that's exactly what Paul talks about right here in this context. Verse 10, he says, have that you have put on this new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. On the screen there's a Greek word for that word renewed, and it literally means to renovate. Some of you have done some renovation projects. You've torn things down. you replaced things that were broken. You made new things that were old. That's what Paul is saying every one of us are doing in our walk with Christ. We're renovating, not houses, we're renovating our lives. This building, this structure, to be a person, to be alive, to have a heart more like Jesus. So I want you to explore that with me through the lens of Colossians chapter 3. This week we're going to be going all through the books of the New Testament from Acts forward. But today I want us to stay in Colossians 3. And I want you to consider with me the five components to building a life. Five components to building your house the way that God designed. And it all starts here. It starts with God's blueprint. The building project always starts here. Because that's the purpose. The plan. It's direction you're going. What is this going to be? What function is it going to serve? What result is going to flow out of this? You've seen it before. None of you are going to raise hands because I know it's a little embarrassing. But it comes a time when the macho and the man appears, when the wife comes home with the Ikea boxes, and he says, I don't need the plans. I know how this fits together. I know how these pieces form. And what ends up is a pile of junk on the side of the road. Because you realize in order to have a complete functional, successful project, building a house, you have to follow the plan. Did you see it again in verse 10 in Colossians 3? What is the plan that God is building out of our lives? You put on this new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now hear this again. God's plan for you and his plan for me, it's not that we become really good people who do good things. It's not that we become better Christians. 
It's not that you and I do some good actions and serve others in this life. That's not the end goal. The end goal is Jesus, more like Jesus. That when I'm done with you and your work and your serving and that you're becoming who it is I want you to be, you're going to look more like my son than ever before. And so you're going to think like Jesus, a mind like his. You're going to have a heart like Jesus, that worship-focused heart, that kind and compassionate heart, that grace-filled heart. That God-loving, serving heart, it's becoming more and more like the Son. And so the more and more we read this Word, and the more we see Jesus, and the more we see who He was and trying to imitate His walk, it should be said of us, brethren, what's said in Acts 4, that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that what we want our neighbors to say, to see of us? I'm recognizing in you that you've spent time with Jesus. I hear it in what you're saying. I see it in your priorities. I'm recognizing it in your actions. I want you to see Jesus in me. And so the blueprint, God's plan for our lives, is not that you just live a good life. It's that you become more like him, more like Jesus. The second component is the construction crew, who it is you build with. Because inevitably, you cannot get much done all on your own. And we get there, though. You've been there before. When you're working and you're building and you're constructing, and there comes a point when you say or maybe you think in your mind, it'd be better if I just did this myself. It's the OCD in us, where it's like, I would let you surf and I'd let you help, but if you want something done right, you just got to do it by, by yourself. That only gets so far. There's blessings when you let other people serve. There's blessings when you include others in the project and in the process. I've done a lot of renovations here or there. A house in Tennessee before we moved here was a long-term goal, and then when we agreed to work with you, it became a short-term goal. Get the house sold. My father-in-law was the one who graciously allowed me to work with him. He can do just about anything with his hands, and he let me stand there and pretend like I was actually helping him along the way. But there came a time, and we brought in a lot of people to work on that house. People had all these credentials. You would buy them, and they'd have it all on their LinkedIn, why you should hire them. I'll tell you, my favorite person who worked with me in that house, aside from my father-in-law, was someone who had no credentials. His credentials were written in crayon because what he did was what he could do. And those were precious moments. Did you notice in verse 15 what he says? He didn't say, God has called you to be a lone ranger Christian and prove that you can do it all on your own. Prove how strong you are and how wise you are and how you don't need anyone in your life. Look at it again in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called what? To be a part. To belong. To be sharers, workers, co-workers. To be part of a body. Now let's let this passage up here. Tucker, you did a great job reminding us as to where we're going in this today. Look at this passage in Romans 12, beginning in verse 3, when he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Do you notice a flow from 3 to 4? In verse 4 he says, we have a lot of different parts to this body of believers. A lot of people do different things in different ways. But he begins that by saying in verse 3, be careful. Don't get so arrogant, so caught up in yourself that you say, I'm above the body. I'm above needing people. I know more than they know. I have more experience than they do. 
I don't really need your help. I don't need your service. I don't need your encouragement. I don't really need you. And he says, you got to be careful. There are great things that you have and you can do, but there's a reason that we are one together. In fact, right here in this context, did you see a few of them right here in Colossians 3? The things that we really only get when we are together, there's a sense in which we learn when we are together. There's a teaching that takes place. We learn about grace. We learn about humility. We learn about companionship. We learn about sharing and being a part. We learn about new lenses through people and teachings and life experiences that we don't have on our own. And so there's a learning that takes place that I can't get on my own. There's an admonishment that I'm not going to get on my own because if I'm reading the Bible, oftentimes through a prideful lens, it's just telling me how good I am. But the brethren will remind me. They'll encourage me. They'll strengthen me. Sometimes they'll warn me. And pull me back from a way that I'm straying. And two times, did you notice it? Verse 15 and verse 16. There's this great deal of thanksgiving. Did you feel that today? Did you feel it at 9 a.m. after everything was done? Was it because you were sitting in your favorite pew? Or was it because of the collective action of God's people serving and working together? This deal of thanksgiving because we are one and we're in this together. That God bought you and he bought me with his blood. And we love each other and we love God. And we're going to be so thankful. We need each other. God made us to be a people who need a people. And if we're going to be who God made us to be, and if we're going to make it home, it's going to be because we do so together. And so we're building, but we're building as one. The third component is laying the foundation. That's what we've been singing about and thinking about and working towards this, this whole morning. The foundation, aside from the blueprint, the foundation is the most crucial element in the construction process. Without that firm foundation, whatever you build on, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how well-crafted or well-constructed. Without that firm foundation, it's not going to stand. You've seen it before in buildings, buildings that have fallen, not built on wise ground. But you and I have seen it too in lives. We've seen the evidence of people who have built their lives on foundations that were never meant to be built upon. Do you see here in our context in Colossians 3? Listen in verse 3 when he says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you once also walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices. What happens in verses 5 through 9? What happens when you build your life on the foundation of the world? Well, it results in a life, in a structure that looks a lot like this. Abusive speech. Angry speech. Capital letters on Facebook, aggressive speech. It's lustful hearts and divisive minds. It's corrupting attitudes and impure desires, and anything that is built on this cracked, broken, feeble foundation will not stand. Hear that again. Any relationship built on this will end. Any trust built on these attitudes will fail. 
Any life built with this ingrained in its DNA will fall apart at its seams. Any soul that thinks it's going to walk its way to eternity while following these steps is deceived and doomed. Because in verse 3, that's not the solid ground we've been called to build upon. There's a life, there's a way, there's a thinking, there's a path that leads to stability. Relational stability, mental stability, spiritual stability. But it's only found in a life that is entrenched and built on Christ. Peter would use the language this way in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Do you see about Jesus, his cornerstone? He is a tested stone, proven in his strength and his worth. He's precious, more valuable than anything you could possibly possess, and he's sure. Whatever is built on him will not be put to shame. It will not fall. But did you notice how he began? As you come to him, what's your choice? I've got the stone. I've got the sure foundation. I've got the rock. What's my choice? There are some who choose to reject him and say, I've got this. That's old-fashioned. It seems really restricting. It seems harsh. I don't need that guidance. I don't need that boundaries. I don't need those rules. I've got this path. I've got this life. I've got my direction. And what you'll find is Colossians 3, verses 1 through, through 9. But then there are some, there are some who listen and who learn and who receive, who follow that built blueprint, who build their life on that rock. And what is the result is that they, in turn, are these living stones, useful, being built and used as a part of this amazing spiritual home. Can you see that again in Colossians 3? When Christ, who is your life, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, if Christ is my life, if I have chosen to give completely all of who I am to Jesus and to build my life on Him, the result from verse 5 forward is this. There are some choices I'm not going to make anymore because that's not on the rock. There are some paths in life I'm going to reject, I'm going to avoid because that's not on the rock. There's some relationships I'm going to change. There's some attitudes I'm going to reshape because I trust in Him. I'm building who I am on Him. I am reshaping and redefining and remolding who I am because I want to live on the rock. Christ is my life. Do you see that foundation? If I want that stability, then I've got to stand on that stability. If I want that life that's going to stand, then I've got to build that life on the life, on that rock. There is a sure foundation but it's only found in Jesus. You can't find that anywhere else. Fourth principle is this, interior design. It always kind of baffles me. It's surprising that you'll find some people, and what matters to most of them when it comes to housing is the appearance. That is the curbside appearance. 
How many of you find something that looks just beautiful? You see that outside and you thought, man, I can imagine myself there. That just looks incredible. The dream home, how well they've crafted it and the landscaping, it just looks beautiful. But then you go inside and it just doesn't look the same. Like what if it's empty? This beautiful home, this incredibly inviting home, and inside it's absolutely bare. Nowhere to sit or nothing to do. Or what if you went inside and it looked a little bit like this? Like even in the 1970s, was that acceptable? <laughs> I was going through this last night and Emma saw this and she goes, oh, is that your office? I thought, oh, I'm not hiring her. No, that's not, that's not happening. Now you look and you get that in your eyes <laughs> just for a moment. And maybe you think about something different. And you just feel the difference, can't you? Look at verse 12. Our context in Colossians 3. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience, bear with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. Eight incredible, beautiful, very similar inward characteristics. Each of these, the common bond between these, are that each of these are things that are displayed and demonstrated in how we relate and talk with one another and treat one another. These have to do with our relationships with others. And essentially what Jesus, what Paul is saying here is you need to let the beauty of Jesus be seen through you. Compassionate words, gracious hearts, kind words, loving spirits. They're going to flow from a heart that's just like his. You know the struggle as well as I do because for some reason, I know it's always been around, but for right now, the hyper focus is I want you to appear a certain way. You got to look a certain way. You have to have that Facebook picture, that profile pic that just appears a certain way to show people what you want them to see rather than what really exists. And while that may be true with just pictures, I want to have the filter with the right lighting because I want you to see certain things and not other things. Can you see how that danger might come into our lives and our walk with Christ? I want to be appearing as if I'm holy without really being holy, without being holy. I want to appear like I'm really busy and active in the service of God without actually doing anything at all. I want to appear really wise and smart, so I'm going to grab some scripture off of these apps and throw them up there without actually really knowing the word of God. That's a beautiful house with nothing inside. That's the danger Paul talks about. The unbalanced life of 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8 when he says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. There's a greater weight, there's a greater importance than how we appear, and that is who you are inside. How are you decorating? How are you interiorating, designing? I don't know the right word. How are you, how are you fixing your heart? Because who you are inwardly is far more important than who you are outwardly. Because who you are inwardly will display itself outwardly. And you and I know there's only so much we can do. There's only so much makeup. There's only so much cream. There's only so much cover-up and paint that we can do to help these aging, growing bodies to maintain that picturesque form 
And the more and more we try and keep up that outward appearance and to put all of our, of our time and attention on the appearance, we're, we're losing what Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the fact that this outward man is on a trajectory, a trajectory of decay. Don't lose, don't lose heart about that, though. And some of us have. There comes a point in your life when you realize, I'm not 18 anymore. And so I can't stay up past midnight without it hurting anymore. <laughs> I can't eat in the middle of the night and wake up the next day and still be the same person. That has changed. Hair falls out and loses its colors. There's wrinkles in places I didn't know where they came from. And for some people, that hits really hard. The aging process, the graying, the weakening. Because for some reason, we put a lot of attention and time on, on how we appear. And Paul says, but don't grow hard. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary on that. By design, you and I are only going to last but a breath and but a moment. But the thing that does last, the thing that will last and never age, or wear or tear or decay, is brethren, we ought to be growing and strengthening day by day. That inward man, that precious soul, that though this body is getting weaker and weaker, May it be by his good grace when he finds me, the inner man is going to be far stronger than the outer man. I've worked hard to make sure that the inward beauty is what really shows the love in Christ, the love and the beauty of Christ, far more than the outward. Our last component is this, and that is the future home. Paul begins in chapter 3 of Colossians in verse 1 when he says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. And so he talks about heaven, heaven-focused, heaven-driven. Our eyes, our minds, our hearts are on heaven. And the goal is not just that we get to heaven one day, and one day we live in heaven and will be in heaven, but it's allowing that goal, it's allowing that plan to change how we live here on earth. That heaven is not just a goal, heaven is now our blueprint. Heaven is our example to follow and to imitate today. Was that not in Jesus' prayer when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, what? Here as it is there. On earth as it is in heaven. Have you thought about that in that prayer, what that means? Lord, let me serve you today as those who serve you standing around your throne. Lord, let me sing your praises today as those who stand and kneel beholding your glorious face, your amazing presence. Let my life today be just as devoted, just as pure, just as sure of who you are as it will be in the day when I stand and kneel before you in your presence. That's a glorious scene in Revelation 4 and verse 8, that those who are there before the throne, the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes and all around within. Look, all day and night, they never cease to say, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I want to be there. I want to be there. And if I want to be there, I want to live today as if I'm there. I want my love today for God to be that same kind of love for it will when I'm there face to face. Your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is there. You see, in verse 4, he says, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. It's a precious thought. 
it's hard to comprehend. And when Christ is revealed, when he finally comes again and we see him face to face, then we will be revealed in a way that's unlike anything we've ever seen before. In fact, in your Bibles, go with me to 1 John chapter 3. I'm not going to have it on the screen. Go with me. I just want you to read these two verses in 1 John chapter 3 and to catch what, what Paul is saying here. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. John says, 1 John 3 and verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. When he comes, we will be just like him. When he comes, you and I will be just like Jesus. Now look at verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want more than anything when he comes to be like him. I want to be found having built a house, having built a life that reflects that glory. That mirrors his holiness. And if that's the hope I have, then every day, day by day, every choice, every decision, every path I pursue is going to be made with this in mind. I want more than anything to be ready to be more like him. I know you've seen it before when there's construction taking place. You'll see a sign that looks something similar to this where it says work, work in progress. It's a great sign. It's a sign that really implies two things we need to end with today. Two, two quick final thoughts. Here's number one. Work in progress reminds us that there's a great need for patience along the way. We need to be patient with one another because even though our goal is to be more like Jesus, we're not there today. We're not there today. And so within my brethren, there's a great deal of maturing and growing, of changing and transforming that needs to take place, which means I need to be patient because they're not Jesus today. There may be some short tempers. There may be some worldliness in the minds. There may be some days when they just don't have as much fire in the spirit as they ought to be. And I need to be patient because I'm not like Jesus today. And I need some time, some time to grow, some time to change, some time to learn and to be mature. And so we need to be patient with one another in this process. It doesn't happen overnight, which also means I need to be patient with me. I need to be patient with the process. There's going to be days I do very good and days that I fail. There's going to be days when I take, it seems like, leaps forward, and then days when it seems like I've fallen far backwards. But just keep going forward because the sign also implies that there's also progress going on. You've seen it before. I mean no judgment on this, right, Tucker? We're there. No judgment on this. But you've seen it before where there's construction taking place and the sign is up there. And I see one guy working and then I see about five or six guys and I'm not necessarily sure what they're doing. There's something on the phone or on the road or a UFO in the sky. They're doing something. But I don't see a lot of work taking place. I can't answer it for you, but I can answer it for myself. If I've been walking with God and serving God... For any number of years, should there not be some signs of growth or progress along the way that we're seeing in one another? Should I not know more today than I did when I first began this journey? 
should I not be stronger against sin and temptation in some areas in my life than when I first began? Should I not be, in some sense, more spiritually minded? Should I not see more glimpses of the fruit of the Spirit in in my day-to-day living than perhaps when I first began? That's what Paul said to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, he says, your progress can be evident to everyone. In some sense, brethren, should it not be that I'm looking back in my life and I'm seeing small glimpses, some pieces of fruit that are showing me They're giving me the indication that I'm growing in the right direction. Or not. Or not. Don't stop growing. Don't stop working. Don't stop trying and pressing. Don't let the defeat of yesterday keep you from getting up and trying again and again and again. I love the language of the old hymn that says, He's still working on me to make me what I need to be took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and earth and Jupiter and Mars, how living and patient he must be because he's still working on me. I like that. Because you're not on your own on this. And I'm not on my own. We're not left to this work by ourselves. Paul says that I'm, I'm convinced of this. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God's not done working on you. And he's not done working on me. We've got a lot to do. We've got a lot of growth to take place. We've got some maturing to ensure in our lives. We've got some transforming to allow. We've got more to do and more to serve. God's not done with us yet. So keep building that house of your life. Keep forming that precious heart to be more like the Savior. And if you're here this morning and you've not started that process, today's the day to do so. Today is the day to leave that sin behind and to give your life completely to Jesus. If you're here and you're ready and you're willing to turn from your sin and to confess Jesus as your Lord and to be baptized, you today can be leaving from here, adopted into the family of God and living heaven bound. But for the rest, perhaps we've hit pause. Maybe we've gotten distracted by the busyness of life and we've just forgot that we're building something. We're heading somewhere. So this is a great song and a great time for us to get some renewal in our minds to reignite that zeal, to get some mercy and grace from God, perhaps in prayer, and to leave here ready and committed to be building that life that will be ready for when He returns. If we can help you in any way with that at all, let's do it right now. Let's do it as we stand and as we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com questions at thebibleway.com we'd love to have you in person come if you can but thank you for connecting with us